I look at what they've added and I look at what they've lost and I think they are not a better team uh, going into this no, not. season. Like- So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the second of our preseason preparatory podcasts. Uh, we'll be covering off the AFC South and the AFC West. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. How are you getting on? Any crack? Yeah, work. You know, this is one of those special podcasts where a project's just complete, so I don't know what I'm doing at work for the next. A little bit, but probably just doing some uh, random bits and then, uh, yeah, doing a little bit of, you know, just dip, dipping the toe in the socializing pool and uh, going over to someone's gaff and having a few drinks and watching a, a sports podcast. So, you know, we'll see how that goes, you know. Thanks. Numbers are a little bit up over here in Ireland, so uh, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll see if, if, if they don't go out of control or anything like that. But, uh, you know, a little bit of normality coming back uh, just in time for you uh, if, if you wanted to get out of this. Yeah, yeah, so we're in wrap-down mode here. We're kind of packing everything up. Our flights are booked for Saturday week, so uh, like nine days away. Uh, but they've decided to close the airport for another week here. So it's due to reopen the day before we fly. So fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, so that's most of the most of the crack over here. It's gotten to like the super duper hot. So if you hear a little bit in the background, that'll be the aircon. I said as low as I can, but I can't. It's 44, 45 degrees here at the moment, so I just can't survive without it for the uh, for the length of the podcast. My apologies. Um, I suppose we'll fly in and kind of fly through a few bits of the news. So the main one, obviously, is we're starting to see a little bit of the COVID-19 outcome uh, has been announced. So there's going to be no preseason games. This came from the league deciding to go to two, having not discussed it with the Players Association and them saying they want none. They've agreed daily testing, calf, uh, camp timetables and so on. Uh, there's been a big social media campaign over the weekend with Breeze, Mahomes and a load of the big names coming out and saying they want this. Uh, so it, it got done. The main issue, I think, and it's been admitted on all sides, is this is going to impact undrafted free agents and their ability to make uh, rosters and will probably favour more of the established teams than the developing teams or the uh, the teams on the up, uh, as it you know means consistency and bringing back what you had last year when you don't have as much time to install game plans is probably key. But yeah, like rookies are now landing in camp. All the guarantees and stuff will be sorted. There's still discussion about what they're going to do if there's you know less games and plan played, and they're cutting the rosters to eighty instead of ninety, I think, which seems fairly academic to me at that point. But uh, yeah, so look, what whatever. So like, what do you reckon? Like fifty, what fifty nine players have tested positive since they started testing them all. Yeah, well, that's basically a full roster of players, basically. Uh who have tested positive, who are NFLPA members, uh, and who are active players at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's not a insignificant number of players, and obviously you only need one player to have it to kind of shut the whole thing down for that team for two to three weeks. So, obviously, they're, they're, like, they're, a lot of testing is going to happen as these players come in, and it's going to be quite aggressive. I think they will be daily, basically, until they can establish that there's less than five percent transmission in, in, in the wider mm-hmm. in the wider community, um, so it's a pretty high bar. But yeah, like it's it, like the preseason game stuff and the, and the, the testing that's all agreed now. So most of the arguments that are left, like basically they're, they're saying we're going to do week one. So all that's left to really talk about is the money. Like as I say, like if, if, if the season is cut short, do you you know do you get your fully guaranteed money or do you only get a proportion equivalent to the yeah. games played? Pro rata or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's also some a little bit of debate I think that's going to be had about this opt out. So they, they are offering the players an opportunity to opt out. I think the last offer from the NFL was they had to do it by the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. I think they're afraid of it kind of being misused as a kind of proto IR or something to that mm-hmm. effect. And they also don't want. I think they're also talking about no like contract negotiations can happen um, during. Um, if you opt out because that can stop it from being kind of a, a proto holdout as well yeah yeah, so, yeah. There, there's there, there's some stuff in the details but i think more or less the plan is to get it done so unless a bunch of players come in positive in, in week one as they start testing these people 
the NFL is expecting and the players are expected to be playing uh, come early September. Yeah, so I heard uh, we, we've got confirmation that the 11th of August, the uh, Hard Knocks is back covering both of the LA teams. Uh, so that'll be... It'll be weird having Hard Knocks and then not have games in it. Yeah, like I don't know how they're going to make up the numbers. Like, like Hard Knocks often feels a bit stretched out. Like, you know, there's good stuff in it, but it kind of feels stretched out. And I suppose the COVID stuff... Uh, like that'll probably be interesting the first week or two, but eventually mm. it's going to be like. This is the thing you've, you've got. You've got two teams to try and find people on, I suppose, at least yeah. this time. But uh, and like yeah. you wouldn't really be able to focus on those fringe players because like you, they're not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know what they're gonna fill it because the big players obviously. Well, a lot of the big players tend to get an opt out of actually being mm-hmm. too, too central to it. No, so. of course. Uh, other major news that's been happening, uh, the Washington Post has published a story about the as-of-yet-to-be-renamed Washington football team uh, outlining 15 million women's sexual harassment that was happening as well as a toxic culture within there with kind of... So they didn't name names, but it was suggested there were very high-ranking individuals inside the organisation, including Director of Pro Personnel, broadcaster Larry Michael, and a couple of other people. Uh, the team has obviously said, well, this isn't true, this can't be the case, and... Uh, yeah, like yeah. it's 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 a mess because like bear in mind this is the the weirdest thing about this for us is when we heard the news are like does this surprise anyone like this is a team that and just Google it like basically human trafficked their cheerleaders to South America to have sex with millionaires like these guys are fucked up to start with so I'm not actually surprised in the least by this yeah and like it's not just I suppose that the like you know the evidence existed and it was more or less known that. Some of these guys, like Alex Santos, pro personnel, and, and the Larry Michael, the broadcaster, that they were uh, that they made new comments that there was inappropriate touching, that they ultimately created a hostile work environment for, for female reporters and for staff. Um, but that the team, there's basically people saying that evidence was destroyed um, or, or removed or whatever, um, basically as a known fact that people knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, in terms of the outcome, like, Snyder's obviously come out and made a big apology or whatever like that, and the NFL's come out and said, you know, way wagged its finger and said, this is bad. And I think the minority investors in the team are all sort of going to sell up, or at least we're indicating that around the time. But, uh, but you know, there, there's sort of potentiality still that, that Dan Snyder maybe kind of... Gets pushed out. Yeah, pushed out the door, uh, and then they can replace him. Like, you know, we're probably replacing owners generally these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it's like I think like to a certain extent it was always harmed by the rumor mill that kind of went into overdrive before this story hit because there was just wild rumors going around about what was happening or why like what this Washington Post story is going to be and then yeah it's kind of sad that like the fact that sexual harassment and you know the, 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 the inappropriate touching and the way that they were talked about ends up kind of feeling like almost, almost felt like a, an anti-climax um, in terms of, of how ground shaking it was, but you know, there's no doubt on the facts that this this was a toxic organisation, uh, which was particularly difficult for women to have to work with. No, of course, and like we said, there's a chance that this might also help push over the edge, getting Schneider out of there, which would be nice to uh, nice yeah. to see. Let's be honest. Uh, we'll move on to the transactions that happened. So um, we have three people who have signed larger deals. So Tennessee running back Derek Henry has signed a four-year $50 million contract with $22.5 million guaranteed. Nice for him to get paid. It basically gives him what he would get if he played this year and next year on the tag with essentially a team option then to pay him the following year and the year afterwards. Uh, it's good for him, particularly given the style of running that he has and he'll have that extra bit of cash in case of injury. But it's also like you look at the the figures here, and you kind of go, like, there was there was running backs getting paid this and more four or five years ago. So this is actually like this is this is not great for the guy that was their chance at getting and what what got them to the the, the AFC Championship. Yeah, and like yeah, he's around money that's kind of comparable to David Johnson's contract from like three years ago now, mm-hmm. which I think he's still getting paid out on in Houston <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, uh, but like. You know, like Derrick Henry, there's no de- denying that he is one of the uh, few running backs that kind of is the soul of the offense. Like, even if he is more of a two-down back, like a dumper type back, he is so good at it, and he's created so many explosive plays as a running back that he really was pushing that Tennessee team 
uh, particularly in the mm-hmm. playoffs where, where they kind of almost just completely gave up on Ryan Tannehill. Even though he, Tannehill attack was fine, it was pretty good last year, but in the playoffs this went, ah, screw it, we'll just go full Henry, and it worked right about the big bet against Pat Mahomes. So I think given where that Tennessee team is, and given obviously the COVID situation where continuity is important, I think getting him locked up for reasonable money makes sense, and yeah, you're not breaking the bank here, so you might as well... Yeah. Uh, keep the gang together as we'll probably talk about it later on today. No, of course. Uh, Cleveland have picked up uh, defensive end Miles Garrett on a five-year, 125 million, 50 million guaranteed extension there. That's nice money for Garrett who has been playing really well for them. It'd be so weird if you think about like, it was what, week 13 last year when we went, yeah. man, he just assaulted someone on the pitch there. I wonder if he'll play in the NFL ever again and he's now got a $125 million contract. Um, someone did the maths on it. Apparently he could, uh, he could bomb the quarterback on the head like 36,000 times now <laughs> with what he's just been paid but um, this makes sense it's good deal for Garrett get some security particularly with the COVID stuff that's coming up and the uncertainty ahead but realistically this is if he plays at the level he's playing at this is a pretty good deal for Cleveland yeah I like to be fair like when he's on he's one of the premier defensive ends like even given He's had a few, like a couple of injury issues like, early on, and then last year, obviously the suspension. Like he still had uh, ten or more sacks in both of his seasons so far. So mm-hmm. he's he's a uh, sorry in all three seasons he's played. Like he's been a premier pass rusher. I suppose some people are waiting for him to become like uh, you know like twenty sack, win. yeah, yeah, twenty sack type people. But based on what we've seen, he can definitely do that, especially if he gets some help along that defensive line. And yeah, like oh, there's always a risk, but like defensive end is a premier position. This is mm-hmm. a uh, like the guarantees don't look too ridiculous to be honest for for this type of player. no that's like yeah. that's that's what I'm looking at it's like this is like basically we've got him for two years and then we've just got team options for 25 million each year beyond that like that seems like a great deal for Cleveland yeah like I think you know uh, if you're Cleveland and you've had issues kind of keeping the the players that you actually care about then uh, I think it, it takes a lot of sense like it's a lot of money but I think Cleveland. But Baker Mayfield, like I think they can afford to do this and you know keep your elite talents in house and oh yeah, make, make, as long as he, he can avoid any uh, you know helmet incidents, then he should be <laughs> they should be good value for money. Yeah, you know, I imagine with these new face mask things that are going built into the helmets, it'll be harder to take Why it off to attack yeah. him with. Um, and also, we, we measured the tail end of the last one. We'll discuss it today in the previews. Chris Jones also got signed four year, eighty two million, I think, like that. Something in that region. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, Twelve players then will remain on the tag for this year. Dak Prescott, AJ Green, Hunter Henry, Brandon Sheriff, Joe Thune, Matt Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Williams, Bud Dupree, Shaq Barrett, Justin Simmons and Anthony Harris. The big one that obviously jumps off this is Dak Prescott. He is basically going the route of Kirk Cousins with Dallas at this point. This will be... They had the chance to lock him up last year and they didn't take it and now prices increased they had a chance to lock him up this year and apparently the rumours were that they were about to sign a deal and they were minutes away at the time that they got to the which sounds like horseshit to me uh, they're backing themselves into a corner like when you look at this situation you can't it's hard to look at it and not think Dallas don't want the, the hard to think that Dallas want Dak Prescott as their long term quarterback yeah that, that does seem to be it, but it doesn't really make sense. Like, you know, like you have a player like Dak Prescott is, is a, has shown in this offense certainly to be a high-level talent that there aren't very many of, many of in the league, certainly not ones who have his upside in the future. And so you're kind of wondering what exactly they're up to. Like, I know they spent a lot of their money on their other offensive pieces and indeed defensive pieces, but, you know, the quarterback, most teams get it done. They're obviously going to just kind of see how this rides out, but given like what Patrick Mahomes has signed, like that's just reset the market. So this isn't getting cheaper and yeah, no. this could very easily end up in the Kirk Cousins situations where the money just gets so out of control and the team hasn't hasn't allowed for it that it ends up being a bit of a a bit of a, a no win situation. So I think Dak is probably happy enough to kinda of play this out. I'm sure he would like to play for Cowboys. It's a good one in terms of getting promotional deals and like mm-hmm. getting a lot of extra money on the side. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of unusual. Like the only other controversy is that Yannick Ngakwe and Jacques Barrett are both like having disputes about how they should be classified. Like, yeah. They're both classified as offensive linebackers, but they want to be defensive ends. And, yeah. You know, maybe there should just be an edge pass rusher category. But, no, of uh, 
uh, like given the new holdout rules and the rules around tags, I don't expect any of these people will. will most of them have already signed, and, and given COVID-19, I imagine all of them will sign in the end. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, crime punishment, Kenny Stills was arrested for getting involved in a peaceful protest in Kentucky over the Breonna Taylor death. Uh, as he pointed out online, he's now done more time inside for that than the people who killed her. Uh, the charges were subsequently dropped after outcry, but it just kind of shows how fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry to all our American listeners, your country's a fucking dumpster fire. Like if we went if we went back to our old way of doing games, which we might, who knows what we'll do this upcoming season? Uh, it'll just be America as the dumpster fire. Yeah, and uh, like I think I think like they took a really weird kind of perspective on what the arrests were, were because because he's the AG and he ha- and obviously he is basically the person who decides whether to prosecute, prosecute people yeah. who killed Breonna Taylor. It's like they were saying they were interfering with like a, a, a law decision or like with a legal decision and that is a crime in and of itself. And there was like some other kind of harassment type charges. But like it was very, it, the, the charges were trumped up and obviously they've quickly been kind of withdrawn after people blew up in the national media. So yeah, fair play to Kenny Stills for getting out there and trying to change the world. And uh, yeah, he definitely got a good sign by that. And uh, also, just to, it was officially announced today. Well, actually, there's two of these, I suppose. Uh, Michael Bennett's retired from the NFL after 11 seasons. Uh, probably about time had been less productive in recent times. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's always been an anticipation type edge rusher. And like, to be fair to him, he came in as an undrafted free agent after he had a reputation for making trouble in the locker room. Which, to be fair, he never really quite got rid of. Never quite shook uh, that. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but like to be fair, at his height, particularly uh, with the Seahawks during their Super Bowl window, um, he was a great anticipation rusher. He would be off the snap basically immediately, or sometimes a little bit too soon if he falls flags, like encroaching penalties. Uh, but overall, um, you know, for someone who came from that position, he had a really, really good career, and he's had two mm-hmm. Super Bowl rings. And, yeah, I think he can be fairly happy with how things turned out, and I imagine we won't. We probably haven't heard the last of him completely. Um, I'm sure he'll manage to pop yeah. up once or twice. So. And the other one is that we've had a, we've had an official retirement from Antonio Brown, uh, saying that he's retired. This is the first statement he's made since retiring in March. So it's uh, it'll be. I'm not going to dignify like he's retired. Retire. You know, get back. Yeah, he's retired. Sure, whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and I also I don't think he should be there. But like, I also think that if he if he offered to play for about fifteen of the teams in the league right now on a cheap deal, they'd take it. Yeah, like there's been rumors swirling around teams like sniffing around basically and looking at him. But you know, now he's saying he's retired. But like, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't trust. Him. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust it either, and I wouldn't want him on my team, even at a cheapy deal. To be honest, at this point, yeah, but uh, but I suppose it's the thing of like it depends on what you need at this point, and like we said, with the lack of off season from the COVID and everything, and the fact that you might be down extra receivers for extra weeks, it might be a spot where he could more easily find his way onto a roster than he would have in previous years. Uh, I suppose then we'll swing over to our preview of the AFC South. Okay, so first up we have the Colts. They've added quarterback Philip Rivers, the interception machine. <laughs> he believes in interceptions, not contraceptions. Uh, then he has also added DeForest Buckner, Xavier Rhodes, Sheldon Day, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, and Trey Burton. They lost Eric Ebron, Devin Funches, Chester Rogers, Pierre Desir, Clayton Gathers, uh, Brian Buddy Calhoun, and uh, oh no, the destroyer, Brian Hoyer. So the obvious question is, we talked about this last year, the Colts top to bottom have a really nice looking roster. No, nothing jumps at you as being like, this is off the charts good, but pretty comprehensively decent. Good good line maybe is probably the strongest thing that's there. They were held back last year by the, let's be honest, mediocre play of, of, of Jacoby Brissett. Um, can... Pardon? He had a bit of an injury. He did, yeah. But, like, can Rivers come in here and find success? Like, this is a good offensive line. They have Marlon Mack, and I think they've got another guy they brought in who's looking good to maybe be the two-punch on that. On that yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Like, this is... Of yeah, like, this is this is a good-looking offense. And they've got, you know, they've got T.Y. Hilton. They've got uh, Paris Campbell. They've got, they've got weapons, like... Uh, 
it's 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 a nice landing spot. Do you think Rivers has much in the tank? Because this is this is pretty much a perfect setup for him. Uh, I remember when he nearly yeah. made it to a Super Bowl with an incredible offensive line and a Hall of Fame running back before. Yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's kind of almost like a, a tale, like a, almost tale of like two Peyton Mannings. Like, are they, is Philip Rivers going to have like a early Peyton Manning in Denver type situation where he he suddenly throws like well, I don't see Peyton Manning like I don't see he's Philip not he's not doing 50, a fifty five touchdown season. Yeah, probably <laughs> fifty five touchdowns. But like, can he have a, a renaissance in, in his career? Yeah. Um, or is he going to look like Peyton Manning as last year in Denver where he was a corpse? So like, like, like if, 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 if Rivers could come in and have a 30, 30 touchdown, 10 interception, 12 interception season, that'd be, that'd be great for them. So like I'm, I'm probably erring towards the, I think it'll work outside. I think, you know, Philip made a lot of mistakes last year, but I think you still saw that he could make plays and stuff like that. He's perhaps a, a bit leaden in his feet compared to what he used to do, but I think this is the type of offensive line with Costanzo, with Kelly, and especially with Quentin Nelson, that can establish the run game, keep the pressure off him, but also protect him when it comes to the, the obvious pass situations. And yeah, with Mack, uh, you have a solid running back there who can kind of do everything. Naheem Hines, you have your third down back. And then, you know, John Taylor, uh, during our draft preview stuff, I was pretty high on him. And like he had 2,000-yard like, seasons in college, so he's obviously a very productive back. Mm-hmm. So if he can get going... Um, or him and Mac can get going as, as a duo, then that takes a lot of pressure off. And like maybe like a wide receiver, like they have a like I think T. Y. Hilton. I've always rated T. Y. Hilton. I think he's great, yeah. Um, and then yeah, I think some of Campbell and Pascal and these other guys can probably a Pittman can kind of emerge maybe as the kind of two three good mm. options. Like. And then like they have Jack Doyle at tight end set, so I don't think they're too bad there. So I think yeah, on top of the bottom of the offense is just a really solid one. So I I think Philip Rivers. It's pretty smart. He's probably he's pretty smart. He knows what he's doing. He just needs to stop doing the dumb things. And I think in a system like Frank Reich's, which comes from the Andy Retreat, that is something that should be easy enough to kind of teach him. Like that system is designed to kind of make the quarterback's life relatively easy. And then the defense, like the defense is, I think they added to Forrest Buckner. They, they traded for him a first round pick. I think he was probably the best interior lineman uh, in San Francisco, the second best compared to Nick Bosa. Um, in terms of like totally along that line, so I think that's a really good move. And we know that if you get interior pressure, that makes a huge difference in terms of the overall defense. And then you have like Darius Leonard is still there, um, and Malik Cooker maybe could could make a breakthrough. I think the defense is just full of solid players, but perhaps still isn't quite at the upper echelons to stop a you know stop a, a Ravens or, or Chiefs or like slow them down as well. You don't really stop those teams. So yeah. yeah, I just like I just like the roster top to down, and I think Philip Rivers. I think like if we have faith that Ben Roethlisberger can come back and make Pittsburgh relevant again, I, I do genuinely believe that he that Philip Rivers can do a, a similar thing for the Colts. Possibly, like I said, like my, my, my issue when it comes to this is, look, I you always accuse me of being overly critical of uh, uh, of you know. bitch face Rivers, right? Uh, <laughs> you're a Rivers hater. Just admit it. I don't know, like I don't know why you're, you're. No, like you're the thing is, I think I think there's bits that he does that are good, but I just I just. I look at this team and I look at the Colts and I kind of go, okay, maybe the line is better than the, the, the Chargers line was. But, like, the Chargers line wasn't terrible and it was okay. I think yeah. the weapons I think the weapons that the Chargers had were better. Hunter Henry's a better tight end. Their Keenan Allen is a better number one, I think. They have better depth because a lot of this is unproven depth on this team. Their running back situation was two RB1s fighting for the role in Eckler and, and like... Gordon, they had they had loads on that offense, and he couldn't get it going with that. Now maybe you're right. Maybe the Reich scheme will change that. Maybe that's what I'm missing on this. But I I don't see I don't see how this, apart from the O line being slightly better, and they're going to need that because he's going to be less mobile than before. I don't see how that catapults them above that. Um, but we'll 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 see because I think I think it's going to come down to the trenches, Connor. That's where you know you can put all the skill plays you want, but you need a build in the trenches. We'll see. That's we'll how see. You win football games. Like, look, I like him. I I think if if they get if they get the the, the good kind of you know Indian summer year out of Philip Rivers, then great. But uh, I just I'm just I'm not seeing the elevation unless the scheme is a much better scheme fit, and maybe it could be. But I just yeah, I've seen I've seen Rivers piss away really good surrounding talent so many times that I'm just not sure. I suppose the one plus is that they're not basically like they're not built on a on, on a Native American well, burial also, ground so 20% of their staff aren't going to just you, be injured. You've never seen Philip Rivers like 
not be with the Chargers. And the Chargers are a loser team. It's true, they, they are. Natural losing DNA. You know, I just go to the Colts that, I don't know if they have, they have mostly winning DNA since Peyton went in there. You know, the house that Peyton built and all that. So well, did you see, did you see, did you see Peyton took a shot at them team. during the week? They were talking to him on one of the ESPN or something. And they said, like, so do you think it'll be, like, a big change playing in front of empty stadiums? He goes, I'm not the one to ask. Ask someone who played for the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're getting roasted by a retired Peyton Manning. That's all you need to know about that. Um, so, yeah, I've got them going 6-10. and 10. I think they don't, they don't pull it all together. And I think they've got a difficult enough schedule from my memory. Yeah. You have them going much better. 11-5. Number three in the AFC gets into the divisional round, get knocked out. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're in the upper echelon of the AFC, but I, I think they could be a really solid team. And to be honest, even if they were putting out Jacoby Brissett, I think six and ten is good punishment. That's definitely for me the floor. Yeah, I don't know because like I've got them. I've got two teams in this. I've got this division. I think probably the the worst division in football. I think I haven't checked this out, but I've got two six and tens and a four and eleven, a four and twelve. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to the Jags. Uh, I wonder who my four and twelve are. Uh, they've added Joe Sherbert, Clavon Chazon, uh, Al Woods, and Rodney Gunter, uh, C.J. Henderson, Rashad Melvin, Josiah Scott, and they've also brought in Jay Gruden to run the offense. Uh, they lost Nick Foles, Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, Carl Davis, A.J. Boye. They basically decided, look, fuck it, we're going to go with Minshew. Minshew's our boy. He's going to try and take us. What I find very interesting that I didn't get from the interviews beforehand is like they've been selling this idea that actually he's crazy smart and just you need to look past the crappy mustache and the jorts and all the memes and that he's actually really good. I liked Minshew last season. I feel bad about giving them maybe as, as, as negative a, a view coming in as I did, but like... I look at what they've added and I look at what they've lost and I think they are not a better team uh, going into this no, they're not. season. Like, this is a stupid team right now. Because um, like, I like Minshew. Minshew's a lot like like Fitzmagic. It's like he 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 gets a lot out of a bad team. Like yeah. he can work around a bad offensive line, and he can kind of just he just willing to sling it out there. And let that's that's a, that's a very good comparison. Yeah. So I think he like I'm not sure if Minshew will elevate to being a starting quarterback, and certainly he's in an impossible position to do that here where you know you're still like because you're still rolling out Doug Marone as the coach you're still got Leonard Fournette as your your running back one in theory you know DJ Chark was a surprising you know yeah. it was a good surprise last year but is he a wide receiver one and you can rely on like Conley and and Keelan Cole and guys like this and you got a you know, bunch Tyler. of wide receiver threes and fours off other teams yeah. like and, and Tyler Eifert is Probably your your tight end one, like yeah. And then their offensive line is, is okay. Like, so it's probably they're probably the best part of their offense, to be honest. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, you've got to go all this leftovers kind of stuff, and you're basically half a team, and you're expecting you got this coach who's basically you know if they do as bad as we expect, they're going to can him, and even if he got to like seven and nine, they'd probably still can him. And you're kind of wondering, well, if you're going to rebuild, why? Aren't you rebuilding? Why didn't you fire a coach? Why are you getting in, like why are you giving a lump of money to Joe Schobert um, to be like oh like this um, like he's, he's a pretty good solid in in like a interior linebacker but this is a three four system as far as I'm aware where that isn't really a premier position like this isn't the quarterback of your defense type situation and then yeah and then they bring in Al Woods and Rodney Gunter and guys like that like they're also at the same time bringing guys like Clavion Chase on and C.J. Henderson these young rookies who are going to be like the building box of their team or so they imagine um, and they're getting rid of guys like Calais Campbell and AJ Boyd but it kind of just feels like like a lot of these worst teams like every offseason we go not really sure what you're up to not really sure that this has any legs beyond like half a season before you decide to blow it up anyway so what exactly is the whole point of that and of course they bring in Jay Gruden as their offensive coordinator and you're kind of going you know you're, you're connecting some dots and you're kind of going like, is Jay Gruden going to be made interim head coach? That's what I was wondering. Off? Are they going to put him in as head coach anyway? And you're kind of like, that's a dumb way to do things. Just hire Jay Gruden as your head coach if, you're, if, you, if you think he's good enough and just get it over with. Because, you know, I don't the know, like, experiment was a massive failure. They managed to get out of, at least for cheap. Yeah. But the whole team just feels irrelevant. The thing, like, I, kind of, I get the feeling that, like, possibly their thinking is bring in... Gruden to be the offense coordinator with the expectation that the back end of the season they'll fire the head coach if it's not going well. Use this as essentially to play out the let's see what we've got in Minshew and do we need to what do we need to replace and then let 
Gruden take over with the ability to have had a year to see what he wants to keep and what he wants to blow up in the team. But it's just it just it it doesn't work well. You can't do that kind of thing. And this this half hour rebuild stuff always always just doesn't it's work. Very and, jags. and the very Jags have been doing this for what seven years at this point. Like yeah. they had one they had successful that, season, them. one successful had, season. Yeah, and then they had like that one year. It's like okay, we're gonna load up, and then it's like oh wait, we have Blake Bortles as our quarterback. Yeah. Oh, well. oh wait, hold on. It's the off season after we load up. We should probably like give him a three year extension, and then actually not play him at all the following year. We, we love you, Blake, but you know you're not gonna quarterback. Jesus so I Christ. I am going two and fourteen. Dead last in the AFC. I have them going four and twelve and fifteen seed. I think they'll win a couple of tight ones, but yeah. I also think I think there's going to be a few spots where they're going to come close and then they just won't be able, they won't be able to coach their way out of them. Like I I think this this team could get six or seven wins, but I just don't yeah. think the I think the dysfunction there and the the power structures are going to fuck stuff up. Okay, here's an interesting one. Next up's the <laughs> Texans. Uh yeah, so they added Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, David Johnson. <laughs> oh, those, those are those, you know they're a bit past their prime maybe, but uh, as long as they give up too much for them, I yeah. think that could be uh, They also added Eric Murray, Jalen Watkins, and Vernon Hargaze. They lost Nuke Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller, DJ Reader, Jonathan Joseph, and Barkevius Mingo. Um. Yeah, and they also I think they also gave up draft capital as well. Like yeah. they they ended up net losers on draft capital. Like, I'm sorry. I've been on this for two years at this point. Why the fuck is Bill O'Brien still employed? His fucking chin looks like an arse, he doesn't know how to run a team. He is a terrible, terrible scheme. He's good at drawing something up beforehand, but he can't adapt in game, he can't change anything around, he doesn't know how to team build. He doesn't know how to get his coordinators working up to a high level. He doesn't know what the fuck he needs in a team. This guy is just tearing this thing apart. This is a team last year that I was like, yeah, this this team could challenge. This team could 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 go right to the end. I don't even have them making the fucking playoffs this year. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard to do that because they have the Sean Watson, and the Sean mm. Watson is a, an amazing quarterback, probably, you know, uh, not quite up there with Pat Mahomes, but certainly oh, yeah. a tier below that. Like and perhaps if he had the same opportunities, Mahomes he probably could be maybe get the same type of statistics certainly. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, he's being paired with Bill O'Brien, the the GM. Like Bill O'Brien's like a he's like a solid enough coach, I think. Like maybe like a Marvin Lewis type level coach if it came down to. It. But that's what we aspire to. The the the, the, the late two thousands Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's basically what they've been for like. Well, like three years since they got the John Watson, it's just been, yeah. it's just sad because like yeah, you get Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb and David Johnson who all have varying levels of injury problems. Like Brandon Cooks probably shouldn't be playing football. Like that's a Luke Kuechly type situation with the uh, with, with all the concussions. So David Johnson obviously hasn't looked like a good running back for three years yeah. at this point. And Randall Cobb. And bear, bear, bear in mind, David Johnson looked like a good running back for one season. Yeah, and like well. Like, one and a half, like he got injured the first one. But like Randall Cobb, uh, you know, he I think he's got his career a little bit back on track, but he's very much solid, just a slaughter or a wide receiver, yeah. two, three type player. And like the defense hasn't changed much. They, they I think they lose CJ Reader. That's a pretty big loss on the defensive line. But otherwise, but the defense sucked. Like it was a bad defense. They haven't done anything to fix the bad defense. So basically, it's just Deshaun Watson dragging this team. All yeah. the way, which inevitably will end up him getting sacked because he, to, to be fair, he, he, he has an issue of, of kind of trying to extend plays when he shouldn't just throw it away. Yeah. So he's going to get sacked a lot. And if he gets hurt, this is going to be like a, a 1 in 15 type team if he, that happens like in the first or second like, game. What's, like, just, what's, what's, what's the best case scenario for Bill O'Brien? Is he playing four dimensional chess? He knows that they have to give the quarterback a contract. So just don't let him have success until he signs a lower value contract. And then. No, <laughs> that probably <laughs> work was like. Like Madden, Madden, Madden seventeen or something like yeah. Yeah, like someone like who was like a solid player, like like a, like a Dalton type player. But this is Deshaun Watson. Like everyone can see that he's a yeah, he's yeah. an amazing player. So you're not gonna get him on the cheap. It's it's not going to happen. No, like, it's not gonna happen for Dak Prescott. It's goddamn never going to happen for a player like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah he, no, like the only like the, like I don't know. All all dimensions are going to a single dimension in the in the chin black hole butthole yeah. like you know all dimensionality has no reasoning and there's no reasoning in Bill O'Brien's dumb brain um, 
Like I, I just, it's you know, like, like, it, like, I could, I could get. Why you might get rid of Hopkins, but the way that it's all happened is just so dumb. And then, like, yeah, it's just, it's a team that I'm not willing to completely dismiss. I have them going 8 8, 10 in the AFC, not making the playoffs, just because they have Deshaun Watson. That's how much I believe in Deshaun Watson, that he can literally carry really even bad teams yeah. to an 8 8 record. Uh, but let me just say, it is just because Deshaun Watson is on that team. Yeah, I got- Everything else on that team is very, very uninspired. I've got the same, I've got 6 and 10. But that's getting them the tenth in, in in the AFC on my own as well. Uh, yeah, like I think if things all break right for them, it could go okay. But like you need Cooks to not get injured, Johnson to be at full strength, Hopkins to not end up getting injured because he has to run around behind a like. Let's be honest, not a massively improved line, and it looks like it's going to set him off in a worse spot. Like I just yeah, I can't I can't see everything breaking right for them. If it does, great. But like that is in spite of rather than because of their coach slash GM um, yeah Titans they've added uh, Christian Fulton Jonathan Joseph Vic Beasley Isaiah Wilson Ty Sambarello uh, they lost Marcus Mariota Jack Conklin Jarrell Casey and Logan Ryan they're basically taking the approach of fuck it let's just run it back we're going to take a mostly similar setup we're going to pay our running back we're going to pay our quarterback uh we're going to try and just do what we did beforehand particularly it was the back end of the season that they really started to find their groove with this very heavy run first kind of play action style game and it was working very well for them like yes you'll come up against teams that can do the business against it and yes you'll find ones where they might be able to shut it down a bit but like you know it's it works like you know, a winning football season isn't you are unbeatable. It's that you win 12 of your games or whatever and you, you get a good run at it. I think it makes sense to them, to be honest, to try and do this now. Maybe maybe they've given too much. The Henry deal, I like. Tannehill's one is like a three-year with in terms of guarantees, yeah, isn't it? Which is, which is a lot that I wouldn't have. I think I said at the time, I think that's too much. But, like, look, fuck it. Give it a shot. Um... Like there wasn't there wasn't a ton that needed upgrading there. Yes, maybe some more weapons. Yes, maybe a couple more pieces on that defensive uh, back end, which they've added. They've added a few uh, to yeah. the defensive backfield. But like, you know, like I I like the look of the build of this Titans team. Now I don't know if it's going to be of this. I, if they don't change it a huge amount, will it be able to stack up a year later with your Baltimore's and all that kind of stuff? Will it have the same ability against them? I don't know, but. Because it's one of those ones that this is this is this is the team that is very scheme specific uh, yeah. to how it runs. So I don't know if that makes them more exploitable or if they just lean into that. It just means that they will be the best at that thing. Yeah, and they're also I think they're one of those teams that they've got a really good like uh, match day squad. Like they're like they're, they're starting players, but there's certainly worries that if you scratch beneath that due to injuries or whatever, mm-hmm. or obviously COVID or something like that, that there's not a I don't know if they have a huge amount of, of, of wiggle room, particularly on the offense. Like, if A.J. Brown went down, like, you're back to relying on Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, like, and yeah, Johnny yeah. Smith is, like, their tight end one, who's, a, who's had, who had some really exciting plays, but, like, after that, it's, like, Anthony Ferkser. Like, it's a bit like, all right, like, this isn't, this isn't like, a Derrick Henry, obviously, behind him. You can't replace Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I, like, that's true of a lot of teams, but I suppose for ones that we're kind of rating quite highly and we both haven't gone to the playoffs... Um, that is a bit of a concern, and like the defense is, I think the defense is pretty good. Like Jeffrey Simmons, he he's coming off that injury. He only played a little bit in his first season, um, but he's very exciting. He would have been like a top five pick, um, according to him. And I think he had a few flashes even when he came in last year. So he's someone to keep an eye on, certainly. And then yeah, like you know, like they still have Malcolm Butler uh, and Dory Jackson. I think is probably still their cornerback one. But yeah, they bring in Jonathan Joseph. Solid veteran, the Christian Fulton, uh, like a, a rookie, a highly rated rookie, and they have Kevin Byard. So I think the defense should be pretty solid. Maybe they could. They're they're relying a little bit too much on Vic Beasley to to add some defensive uh, pass for a spark. They're a little bit light there, like so along mm-hmm. with people like Harold Landry. So that that would be the only real concern. But it's just a, it's a fairly solid roster, and maybe a little bit fragile on, in terms of depth on the offense. But I think we've seen enough from the coach at this point that we can kind of go. I think he'll be able to, to figure it out at mm-hmm. this point. Like he's been, you know, I think Mike Frabel has proven himself to be a very solid, gets the job done type coach, and I think we're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, that they can kind of replicate what they did 
uh, late on last year to come into the playoffs and obviously beat a couple of pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. So I've been going 10-6 and six for the five seed um, and going out in the divisional round. Yeah, so, I've been going 11-5, yeah, and five, getting the third seed. Nothing huge here. It's kind of like, all right, like right, let's see if they can do it again. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd expect them to do well. Barring like I, I suppose it always goes for all these ones, barring injury. But it, particularly for these guys, it's not like a kind of oh they've got a really good wide receiver, but like maybe the two can step up. Like they're there's not a second King Henry knocking around for them to yeah. kind of replace him with. You know, um, whereas bizarrely, it's one of the few teams where I think the quarterback is more replaceable than the running back mm. is, which is it's a very much an oddity to see in this day and age. Um, we'll swing over to the AFC West. So we'll start with the Broncos. They have added Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon, KG Hamler, uh, AJ Boye, Jarrell Casey, Christian Covington, uh, Graham Glasgow, and Lloyd Cushenberry. They lost Joe Flacco. Oh no. Um, Chris Harris Jr., Derek Wolf, Will Parks, Connor McGovern, and Ron Leary. Um, yeah, the Broncos are an interesting one. I really like the talent on the roster for a lot of the positions. I think they've got a legit number one in Sutton from last year. They've added some nice pieces into there. They have a nice rotation at the running back with, like, realistically, I think they've got one that's particularly strong they should have stuck more to, but they've now added more pieces there as well. They probably needed a bit of assistance on the line, and they've swapped out too. They've added Glasgow and Cushenberry, gotten rid of Leary and McGovern. We'll see how that plays out for them. Their defense is good, but it is still... It's still the old defense. It's still a lot of the players that you know as being really good four years ago. Like, it's not necessarily... It's it's good and veteran and experienced, but maybe it's on the downward slope of it. But the main question, I suppose, is going to be this guy who they're all in love with, Drew Locke, uh, is, is, is he the real deal? He looked decent in those last couple of games he played. Um... They've added weapons around him, and I think they're putting him in a good position to succeed. It'll be the best job that they've done of trying to get a, a drafted quarterback to be the guy in the entire tenure of Horseface McGee, their GM. So, like, <laughs> what what do you reckon? What, what What's your take on Drew Locke? Do you think he can find success with this surrounding talent? I think, I think you know, the Broncos are one of those teams that I kind of had, like, based on just a few games, I had them going somewhere between... I ended up going with the lower end of my, my expectation, mm-hmm. but they add them up to nearly 10 wins, mm-hmm. 10 wins on some very close games, because I think this is a team with a lot of uncertainty. Like, like We saw enough flashes from Drew Locke to believe that you know he certainly has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, but we also saw you know a lot of things that kind of give you a very rookie-like type mm-hmm. mistakes and kind of didn't... And like He seemed to grow into the season, but early on, he was, in particular, he was a bit, a bit suspicious then. And so, yeah, you get Jerry Judy... Um, one of the, you know, some consider him to be top wide receiver prospect in, in the mm-hmm. draft. You get in Melvin Gordon, a really, really good running back, solid running back, um, on relatively cheap uh, yeah. despite his best. And you've you've already got Lindsay there as well, so yeah. you've got a beautiful combo. Like, so in theory, you should get really excited. So it really just comes down to that that uh, lock thing and uh, the offensive line. But they're still rolling at Garrett Bowles, a left tackle, who's been one of the <laughs> bigger disappointments in terms of uh, like first round uh, draft uh, at, at, at that position. Um, but they bring in Graham Glasgow. I think he's probably an improvement over Leary, given where he was in his career. Cushenberry might be a bit of a downgrade over Conor McGovern at centre. Um, and they had a defense. The defense changes are interesting because, as you say, like they kind of lose Chris Harris and Derek Wolf, Will Parks, these kind of veterans. And then they choose to bring in a different set of veterans, like yeah. AJ Boye, Jarrell Casey, Christian Covington. And that's an interesting choice because, as you said, the defense isn't getting any younger. Um, there are like there are a handful of kind of young, exciting players, that, like well, relatively young, exciting players like Chadley, like uh, Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. uh, and players like that. But yeah, it's definitely they have, the, a, they have the safety that they were all pissed off that they didn't get the long term deal locked up with as well. I always forget his name. Uh, yeah, Justin Justin Simmons. Simmons, uh, that's it. Yeah, he's a solid player as well. So it's like. Like the defense is kind of, like I think we both agree like the defense has kind of been spinning the wheels for a few years, mm-hmm. always being pretty good, but never really getting back to that Super Bowl level. And yeah. there's no reason to believe that it really goes here. So like I think they're hurt probably by being a relatively strong uh, division, certainly by having Chiefs there. I think there's a lot of potential and upside here, but I think especially given the COVID situation, I'm not quite ready to kind of go in fully here. But as I say, I'm, they're they're probably the team where I'm probably being most negative, where I could see where I could be proven wrong. So I have them going uh, 6 and 10. 
um, which is only good enough for uh, 14th in the league. But as I say, of the kind of low-down teams I have in the AFC, they're probably the ones that I feel uh, least confident in putting them right there. Yeah, I have them going 9-7 and seven and getting the 7th the seed, being the first AFC 7th seed into the playoffs. Uh, I think I think there's stuff there, and I think they're, they'll lose some games that they shouldn't lose, and they'll win some games that maybe they shouldn't win. And that like I think we're going to see development from the quarterback throughout the year as well, because like because he was injured for the start of the year, so he didn't play until like week eight or ten or yeah. something. So like there's there's growth to be had there. I like the weapons that are there. I just yeah like I don't know about the defense, which is why I can't really kind of put them much higher than that. Um, and like you said, yeah, there's. They'll, they'll play tough within the division. Like Even though I have some of the other ones in the division doing less well, I think they always play particularly difficultly against each other, so that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, like from, from the Broncos fans I've talked to, they're all bet into the idea that Drew Locke is the sure thing. Uh, I'm like, guys, I'd, I'd, I'd actually be happy for you if that was true to a certain extent, but uh, come on. They got enough to kind of... Calm down. They got enough. Calm down. Um, okay, next up is the Chargers, the LA Chargers. They've added Justin Herbert, that quarterback that no one could pick out of a lineup. Um, Trey Turner, Brian Balaga, Linval Joseph, Chris Harris, Kenneth Murray, and Nick Vigil. They lost uh, Philip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Derek Watt, Antonio Gates, and Russell Okung. So they've gum- they're coming into the season with the approach that Tyrod Taylor is going to be their starting quarterback. Um Justin Herbert was drafted in the first round, but everyone's take on him is, eh, he's all right. Uh, maybe maybe give him some training first. Who knows? Um, I'd 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 be worried just from the from the stuff I've heard from Daphnics and everything that like they're essentially looking at well we've got Tyrod Taylor the starter and then we've got a rookie Tyrod Taylor as our backup and we're just going to see who's going to win the starting job here. Like, <clears throat> neither fills me with a huge amount of excitement. Uh, I discussed previously that, like, this is a good roster. They have very good defensive pieces, top to bottom, from safety all the way to fucking pass rush. They have good receivers. They have good running backs. They have good tight end who's going to be wanting to play fucking well because it's Hunter Henry. He's considered great, but he's on a fucking tag because no one trusts he can stay healthy for an entire season. So now is his chance. To be honest, I think he might have lost a step. I saw a few games with him, and he looked—he didn't look the yeah. kind of explosive type player that people were excited about a few years. Yeah, but we'll see, we'll see how he looks like because this is the year he has to show it. Like, but this is the thing: yeah. is like you have a fairly you have a fairly talented roster on both sides of the ball. Your question mark is the spot that you let walk, and I'll be honest. Like we said. I'm a Rivers hater or whatever. I don't think he was the best thing in the world. <laughs> but, like, coming into the season, when you had people like Cam Newton sitting out there and, like, lots and lots of fucking players looking for jobs and you decided, nah, Tyrod Taylor and the world's most uninspiring first-round quarter, quarterback pick. That's what we want to roll into this season with. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. What's... What what what's the what's the aim? Is Tyrod really gonna start? Is Justin Herbert really gonna jump off the page in four weeks of of, of training camp with no preseason games? Your guess is good as mine. The Chargers they have a history of uh, ruining and throwing away good talent, and uh, certainly yeah, like Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor, you know, if you create a system around them, you can create like maybe like a, a nine and seven, ten and six type team. That's what they got out of Buffalo that one year that mm. they made the playoffs. Like, but that's really that's like the absolute top level. Of it. We saw what he did in Cleveland in a, in a worse situation, and he he basically showed that he was probably like a marginal starter, backup type player. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, if you have Justin Herbert and um, like the two fans that they have, I think will be calling for him to be started yeah. very soon. <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm sure they'll get some bots to help them out, but like. Like Herbert was probably one of the most polarizing prospects in in the uh, in the draft. Like kind of a big body, like prototypical quarterback with a few skills to run as well, but nowhere near tired to run. Uh, but the biggest problem is he didn't use those skills. He was known for like checking down, going to screens, not reading the the kind of deeper levels of the of the playbook or, or how to play it. They kind of simplified the game down for him, and that. Basically, sounds like Tyrod Taylor, but less able to make like runs, yeah. or less able to do like the play action to kind of make that work. And you're kind of going, 
all right, that's, that, it sucks if you're Keenan Allen, basically. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, like, like, yeah, overall, the rest of the team is solid. Like, like the Austin Eckler, I think, could have a really good season, maybe. especially if Herbert's just throwing all these screen passes. But, mm. you know, um, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are a pretty good duo. I think that's a, that's a solid like wide receiver duo. And, yeah, I think the offensive line is perhaps on balance probably better with Tri Turner and Brian Beluga brought in instead of Russell Okun. The left tackle is still a massive hole there. And the defense the defense should be solid, but obviously with, with this current coaching staff and under Gus Bradley, their defensive coordinator has never really perhaps performed up to the level we'd expect for the level of talent they've had over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. We'll see it bring in this like injection of veterans like Joseph and Chris Harris uh, and then adding like Kenna Murray in the draft in the first round, they traded up into the first round to get him. Like they have been weak at linebacker for a while, like a Ryan Wise, like Denzel Perryman. Um, they, let's see if he could be like the quarterback of the defense type player, yeah, if he yeah. can make an instant impact. Uh, but yeah, I just think that quarterback situation is the most important place on, on the field, and it just doesn't sound like they know exactly what they're doing. And yeah, like it's the Chargers, so if, if, if something bad can happen, it'll probably happen. So. I've been going six and ten, thirteenth in in the AFC, and yeah, a lot of wasted uh, potential going yeah. on here in the Chargers. So I don't know, like, I'm very close. I got them going five and eleven, one less win. I just don't see it happening. Uh, the one plus, I suppose, is like whenever they play each other, those two times I hear it's going to be. Oh, revenge bowl! Will Chris Harris tackle Melvin Gordon? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think one player to keep an eye on is just Derwin James. Like he kind of came back towards the very end of last year. Yeah, he had a really good rookie year. If he can be back to where he is, maybe that defense can get back to to, to where they think it should be. No, of course. Uh, next up, my team, the Chiefs. Uh, we added Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, DeAndre Washington, Mike Remmers, Lucas Nyan, Taco Charlton, Antonio Hamilton, and Willie Gay Jr. We lost Kendall Fuller, Manuel Ogba, Reggie Ragland, Suggs, Steve Wisniewski, Cam Irving, Deshaun McCoy, and Spencer Ware. Bear in mind, this is a team that I think returned 20 of 22 of their offense and defensive starters, so there's not. It's a lot of depth changes and some new players, I think. Uh, yeah, similar to what we said before, and they seem to be kind of taking a semi run it back approach. Mahomes got paid. Uh, and they're happy. Jones got paid and are happy. They've got their line there. They've got, you know, their their angry group of defense who kind of really looked good in the back end of last year uh, yeah. when they kind of put it together. The offense should be excellent. I'm 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 torn on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing because I think Clyde. like he 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 looks perfect and it sounds like he will fit perfectly in and he was Reed's choice and Hunt's choice and Mahomes' choice for the spot, but it's also that thing of like we don't tend to use running backs all that much, and I don't know if it's just because like since since Kareem Hunt was gone, we have been making the most out of a ragtag group, but also just like do you lose something from it? I I, I and and you're gonna have to split carries with Williams because let's be honest, like he was. He was great in the in the playoffs. He's now got what ten postseason touchdowns in six yeah. or five games. Like, it's it's a difficult one to see because I think he could add a very interesting wrinkle to it. But without preseason properly and without a full run into it, if we have five and seven seven step drops, do you want to have a guy who is probably better at chip and run and then pulling off into a wheel route than providing yeah. proper blitz protection for your now half a billion dollar oh. quarterback? Being honest, it's probably more of a concern to fantasy people, fantasy players, than it is to the Chiefs. That I think they'll see what they get out of him. If he ends up just being another kind of tool in the Andy Reid toolbox, like for special occasions, that's fine because you have a you have a stable of backs there that you more or less trust, and you have to under Washington and solid back there in the offseason as well. I don't so, think I don't think Washington um, makes the team. Yeah, like, but that's what I mean. Like, they'll, they'll have enough like solid guys that they mm. kind of like go. Well, we trust these guys enough to to rotate within them. Uh, but I suppose Hilaire just has that upside to potentially be a, I suppose a Darren Sproles type exciting player making huge plays in addition to all the other guys who have to make huge plays. And I think the big concern, I suppose, is just that that defense. I think like losing Kendall Fuller does make that like secondary for Shaw Breeland we know has its own legal issues. So mm. there is a chance that they'll be going in with a secondary that that suddenly goes back down to being. Bad, like really bad. Like it's never been great, but it would go back to being very bad. Like I know they have Tyron Matthew still in there, so like you can't. Juan Turnhill will come back from injury, but mm. you know, cornerback, it's pretty, pretty, 
Yeah, it's pretty thin uh, cornerback. But the thing, like, is like they've got. I like, I like the, I like Ward, but uh, yeah, like beyond that, I'm not so sure. Like, I think they tend to, they tend to play the extra safety in and then bring Matthew in to kind of play box. But yeah, like depth, depth at that position is a massive worry. Yeah, linebackers uh, also. Been a- yeah, like, like, linebacker is a bit of a mess like they because they've still got another year to get out of Damian Wilson's contract I think before they can actually ditch it. So uh but uh look Willie Gay is there and he looks like he'll be quite nice for it. Like the reason that they play um that they play Sorensen or sorry not Sorensen that they play Matthew in the box option often is to use him as the the fact that they just don't have the linebacker yeah. to, to, to provide uh, that kind of stuff. And to be fair like the Spagnola defense is all about that defensive pressure and mm-hmm. you've got plenty of so, like, you have, say, Frank Clark, and you got Chris Jones, mm. and you added a couple of maybe X-Factors, and maybe Taco Chuck can, can add some add to the rotation. Mm. And if you're getting enough pressure, then they make mistakes, and that makes the job easy for the, the defensive backs. And you have, you know, playmakers like Matthew and Antonio, and you can kind of cover up the, the, the deficiencies back there. Like, when you're paying this much money to certain players, that's just the way it is. But yeah, yeah. you have Patrick Mahomes, that's usually good enough for a lot of teams. Pretty much, yeah, and you've got you'll see a lot of speed. You'll see a lot of the a lot of the wide receivers now. They'll be they'll be rotating a lot of them. Uh, there's there's ones that are looking to make the that are looking to make the cut that I wouldn't have thought would have actually survive. But I think they're out of worry for the COVID stuff. They're thinking about carrying a greater rotation of them because, let's be honest, like as good as everyone is, the thing that sells here is speed. You can have guys who are less good at catching if they can be quick. He can get the ball to them, kind of thing. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, so like. Yeah, uh, but no, like overall, I'm liking what we're bringing in. I'm excited to see Hilaire. My advice to everyone, if you're doing the fancy thing, is don't bother drafting because you're going to be fucking annoyed shitless by the like the breakdowns you're going to get. It's like every cheap like, running back situation. Well, the thing is, the thing is, it didn't used to be that bad there. We had Priest Holmes, who was then followed... As I said, like since Andy Reid. Oh, since Andy Reid, yeah, 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 true. Well, no, because like, cause Hunt, until he decided to go kicking people late at night, uh, he was... He was he was fucking Russian leader that year, like. Um, Nevertheless, like never trust a running back ever again. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um. So I, I've been going thirteen and three, number one seed, winning the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have fourteen and two, second seed. because uh, I think I think my predictions have us tying with Baltimore, but Baltimore having beaten us when we travel up there. Uh, second seed, but I think I also have us winning the Super Bowl. So you know. Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. Back to back, baby. <laughs> back to back. Let's run it back. Um, okay, let's move on to the now Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, man, they did a lot this offseason. Additions. Corey Littleton, Nick Wachowski, Carl Nassib, Malik Collins, Henry Ruggs, Marcus Mariota, Jason Witten. Jesus, yeah, that's where Jason Witten went. Uh, Aguilar, <laughs> Prince of Mugamara, Damon Arnett, Jeff Heath, and Demarius Randall. They've lost Daryl Worley, Carl Joseph, Benson Mayoa. Tyre Whitehead, Vontez Burfitt, oh no, uh, Mike Glennon, DeAndre Washington, and Richie Incognito. Um, yeah. Well, they're less scummy this year. Yeah, less scummy. Uh, but sure, look, there's there's a whole season to learn about their new players. Uh, <laughs> Who's going to bully their new offensive lineman? <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. So yeah, so they've got a huge, huge amount of new defensive pieces coming in. Uh, and this is pairing with they've now spent three first round picks over the last few years on defense uh man you'd think with three first round picks on defense you could you could get a player like Khalil Mack or something like it would be uh be remarkable <laughs> we don't talk about Khalil Mack but uh <laughs> but yeah basically they're hoping to to find bits that stick I have liked what they've been doing the last year or two of like they are finding pieces that work and then they're happy to just rotate and shift and just try and find uh, other pieces of work it does make me worry about do they have a large cohesive idea of what they want or are they just looking for talent pieces but um, like it's it's a, it's a lot of change pardon? the Raiders have never selected based on pure talent oh he goes fast oh yeah he got it uh, I kind of like that the Chiefs are now showing them how you would do that with just oh he goes fast well, we'll... <laughs> Like I looked through this roster, and obviously there's a huge question mark over quarterback. They bring in Marcus Mariota; he's getting paid a bit more than you'd expect from a standard backup. Mm. And obviously Derek Carr has been on the hot seat since John Gruden came in there. And uh, you know we all know that quarterback controversies work out best for teams, and they end up loving those situations. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they're just the, thing the is, best. Like, the, the offense is a bit 
you know, like wide receiver, they got Henry Ruggs, like obviously an incredibly exciting player. Mm-hmm. People are kind of comparing him to, to Tyreek Hill, but you know, even even Tyreek Hill needed some time to become a complete receiver. Yeah, and Ruggs was a kind of like the second or third best receiver on his own team in Alabama, uh, and like that's a bit of a problem because they didn't have a wide receiver one. Like obviously after the Antonio Brown experiment uh, went horribly, horribly wrong, they ended up relying on Tyrell Williams to be their yeah. like, number one receiver. And now they're bringing Nelson, like, Brickhands Aguilar to kind of, like, like shore up the bottom of the roster. And you're kind of going, like, the wide receiver situation is still bad. So you're kind of going, you know, yeah. Darren Waller can, can... Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's going to go Waller, then, like, then on to Ruggs. Like, is that it? Like, Josh Jacobs is probably who they're going to build the offense around because you can't trust the, the quarterback. Yeah. And, and he was he was brilliant team. last year. Yeah, and he was he was good. Like in his first year, probably would have been rookie of the year if he hadn't got injured uh, late on. Yeah. Um, even given the Colin Murray thing, I think if he'd stayed healthy, he would have got it. Um, like they have a solid offensive line, so maybe they can make it work anyway. But it's certainly a concern that any any team has a QB controversy, and especially a team which is doing all this turnover on the defense uh, in the off season. That's always very difficult if you don't have any preseason. And well, not that's ever happened uh, previously. But if you have no preseason, then you have you know a, a less uh, thick uh, roster to kind of go over then you know there's going to be a situation here where you're going to expect these players to, to kind of bunch up and kind of get the job done quickly you know it's not like it's not like the Raiders have this you know recently had much success in terms of uh, being you know defensive masterminds like, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on Paul Gunther to get it done um, so yeah like I think I agree with you I think they have put a lot of talent together and a lot of really good players are on this roster but I think even given that, uh, uh, given the quarterback situation, the wide receiver situation, but even given all the talent, I just never felt last year that they even no. maximized the usage of that talent. It was very much a team of, of individuals at that time at time. So, like, I think they'll I do don't, better. I, I, think, I, th- I just think maybe there's an element of I just don't think Gruden is with it in the modern-day NFL. I think, yeah. I think... I think he builds this team like he'd build a college team of, oh, look, it's standard college competition. If we can get four or five really good guys, and that's all we need, and doesn't have a cohesive plan. But the problem is, if, if you build a, like, a college team, uh, but then you try to do the Gruden, like, uh, he's known for having more complex offensive schemes of trying to do trick, tricky yeah. stuff, we'll say, for lack of a better term. Those are incompatible. Like, if you're going to run a college team, you simplify it down and you maximize the value of this, but it's always felt that John Gruden has his way of doing things, and he keeps trying to shove, you know, square pegs into round holes. Yeah. Like Derek Carr certainly feels like his career under Gruden has been of that type, and I don't get the sense that, given what they're doing, that the, uh, you know, that there's a cohesive way to get to what he wants. Like if he wants a bunch of veterans, fine, but you can't do that, and also have three first-round rookies and kind of expect them to be at veteran level. Like that's. It, it always, it's always felt a little bit incoherent. And, of course, even the players that they've selected in the first round, um, like Cleveland Farrell was a bit of a reach last year. Um, and then this year they go for Henry Ropes as the kind of, like, special, like, kind of speed option rather than a kind of come-out-of-the-box wide receiver one like mm. Judy. Um, uh, like, someone like Judy, like, would have made more sense there. So, but yes, if you have all those first round picks and you spend all that money on veterans, I'm sure you probably get a fair. You know, you won't be the bottom of the of the of the league, but it's not enough to win, particularly if you have the Chiefs in your division. So yeah. I'm going seven and nine, good for twelfth. But you know, like I could see them even finishing lower than that potentially. But yeah, I got five and eleven to kind of get to be average eight this year. Yeah, like yeah, I could see them getting up to average. I just think yeah. There's too much going on. There's too much change, and there's just doesn't feel like there's any cohesive plan to the team. Especially given the, the circumstances. Yeah. And like, I'm even at that. Like that, their idea is Mariota is going to provide the the the, the challenge that'll s that'll that'll you know you know elevate Derek Carr. Like, no, Carr must have been so fucking happy when he heard Mariota was coming in. He's like, perfect. They do the exact same thing as each other, but Carr does it slightly better. Like. Yeah. <laughs> he's willing to throw like 15 yards instead of 10 yards yeah like it's just <laughs> it's just so fucking stupid yeah look whatever Raiders I have been going 5-11 and 11. I just don't yeah I don't see it and it's a pity because there's some really good players on that team and I hope they come over and they play for cheap to win a Super Bowl uh, with the Chiefs you're not, you're not pitying them too much you know, like. <laughs> no they are knobs like yeah it's true you know I want them to be competitive but you know 
give us those free wins every year, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not free wins every year. They're one of the two times in the last what six years that we haven't wiped the entire division. Do you remember that? Do you remember that game where they got to take was it six? No, five untimed plays after the clock had ran out in our end zone. Oh yeah, <laughs> those cunts. Uh, yeah, fun times. But yeah, so that'll, that'll wrap up our, our, our AFC previews. So next week we'll be starting the NFCs with the East and the North. Uh, so that'll be fun. It'll be my last... Maybe, maybe be, the, the Washington team will have a name like that. They might do. Uh, also, it'll be my last broadcast from out, uh, out in Iraq, fingers crossed. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun. I've heard the, the Irish League is... The flag side of it is actually going to be played this year. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. So I've had, I had a quick look on their website. I saw it advertised in my Facebook feed, and I went, "Ooh!" Uh, so I might try and go up to one or two of the games in Belfast, whenever they're on or whatever, and catch them because it'd be fun to see sport and be able to be outside when it's not forty-five degrees. That'll be uh, that'll be a nice development. Feel those joints ache. Oh already, yeah, already. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so I suppose yeah for myself uh, from Fitz. Goodbye. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week.